G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. There's all sorts of things we can branch off and talk about, but we're going to start telling the fascinating story today as we delve into the family history of how Christian bookstore Kurong Books got started. As a Christian who reads Christian books, it's very likely that you have bought books, Bibles or music from Kurong over the years. Well, for 40 years, Kurong was owned and operated by the Boots family. Bruce Boots opened the first Sydney store way back in 1978. But before that, this veterinarian public servant with a passion for the gospel and reaching the lost set up shop in his home lounge room and on a table at his local church. Well, our privilege today to delve a little into the family history of Kurong Books with Bruce's son, Paul. Paul Boots, the son of the founder. Welcome along to 2020, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Well, Paul, what a great opportunity just to reflect on some history here. And let's just say, if you're a Christian, uh, Kurong Books is a bit of a part of Australia's history because uh, for a lot of Christians over this past 40, 50 years, uh, the idea of buying a Christian book oftentimes involved buying a book from Kurong Books. And, of course, you were there because your family was a part of the foundation here for what has helped Australia grow up in a discipleship sense. Take us back to some early days and uh, give us some detail here around your dad and how he got things started with Kurong Books. Yeah, well, I've, you know, my dad uh, was uh, a veterinarian, actually, uh, worked uh, in senior levels in agriculture for the government in New South Wales. But he was also, you know, a strong, very strong Christian and a strong believer and uh, a lay preacher, I guess, And uh, at the time. And he, uh, you know, also uh, studied theology and the Bible a lot and loved to read um, and and learn, I suppose, and grow in his faith. And so, you know, he, he, he started, you know, looking at buying some books from overseas and then he sort of was a little, almost it happened, I don't know if I call it serendipitously, but it, it sort of happened as it went along. And uh, yeah, and so he started ordering some books from a couple of overseas publishers uh, and uh, he had a, you know, a strong, at the time he had a fairly strong reformed worldview. So he started with some of those sort of publishers, Banner of Truth and others. And then next thing he was buying more books for more, you know, importing more books for more friends and, uh, um, wasn't that long, uh, you know, before suddenly there was a little book business um, being birthed. Well, isn't it interesting when we think about, you know, what Bible, we would would say that the Bible is the most important book that we might read as a Christian, but uh, mm-hmm. going back to those early days when your dad was thinking of doing some uh, some extra studies because he was wanting to study a Bachelor of Theology but couldn't find, you know, extra books to do research mm-hmm. and, and to find uh, commentaries and all sorts of things like that. So he had to go offshore to be able to do that. So he was obviously, yeah. uh, you know, thinking way ahead uh, that he was going to do that for his own ability to grow in his own faith. And, of course, others caught a hold of that. And, uh, and obviously it was catching on quite substantially in those days. 
Yes, no, for sure. Um, you know, he, he, he undertook a Bachelor of Theology, I think, from the uh, University of South Africa. And while he was still working full time, and so uh, that was in itself, I think, was quite a, a thing to do. Um, and uh, but yes, so he, you know, he and he, he, I think he also at the time wanted um, to have a, a um, more the books, the more books available that were more uh, had more uh, theology teaching, Bible teaching, if you like. Um, and not that they weren't available, but of course they were. But you know, he had, he had a strong focus on understanding teaching the Bible, if you like. And so, well, many of the books that we started with certainly had a lot of depth to them, if you like, in terms of their theology and that sort of thing. Your dad had a real heart for the lost and loved to share the gospel. Uh, do you have mm-hmm. early memories of just how you know he was uh, setting the pace there, Dad, the mentor, Dad, the leader of the family? This sort of thing happening. Oh, yes, no, for sure. Both my dad and my mum were, you know, very keen on bringing people to Christ. And, uh, you know, dad was actively involved in missions. In, uh, you know, he was on the board uh, of a couple of mission societies. Uh, and, you know, I always remember growing up as kids, we always had missionaries in our home and we talked about missionaries and from Africa and other places, New Guinea and whatever. So it was very much a world focus and on sharing the gospel and on preaching the gospel. Uh and so, you know, we grew up, I guess, in a, in a family that, you know, had a very outward looking um, view of bringing people to Christ. And, you know, my mum especially, you know, she's still alive, actually, 92. Um, and my mum, you know, she, you know, she's, she's one of those uh, sort of uh, p- p- people who would always be sharing the gospel with people, which is wonderful. Well, let's say a special hello to your mum, 92, no doubt. Hey, if she's not listening mm-hmm. right now, she'll listen into the conversation because she'll want to hear what you're saying, Paul. So uh, to Ollie yep. Boots, uh, special welcome along to you and, uh, and wonderful to be able to talk about some family history here. Let's talk about those friends that your dad used to order books on their behalf because, hey, you know, uh, he's got these connections with some publishers overseas ordering books in uh, but from time to time uh, they decided to change their mind so the books arrived uh, but hey the payment from the friends didn't uh, but that had uh, that had some uh, some developments that came as a result of that Paul yes I guess uh, you know you went out with more book you know you bring in more books than you need or you had a certain number you bring in well just bring in some more while you're at it and so then dad would you know obviously then we made them available to other people and I don't know, I guess it sends the rest is history. Yeah. So do you remember the books being set up on a table in your garage? And, oh, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, certainly. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yes. Uh, we, sure. Because you were uh, one of the sons, uh, were you on duty mm. at church on a Sunday morning? You're Okay, uh, Paul, you're on the table, you can take the money, and uh, you're in charge of the books. Was that the way it worked, or were you a bit too young yeah, at that yeah, point? Oh, yeah, well, anyone, you know, you know and, uh, you know, look, it was very, very ministry-focused, you know, especially early on, so really wasn't about the money at all. It was, uh, you know, just about helping people. So, um, you know, from that point of view. Um, but, you know, I, you know, obviously once the, the business grew at the house, uh, kept, you know, taking over the joint, um, you know, we were all very involved. So books were in the garage and then they were in yeah. the living yeah. room and uh, before yeah, yeah, before yeah, long there yeah, were yeah. so many books yeah. uh, that someone had Correct. to make a decision and uh, it was decided to open a store. Take us back Correct. to those yeah. early days in the first store in Sydney. Well, I, I'd, uh, you know, graduated from, uh, I'd finished a teaching degree uh, and uh, high school teaching, history, English, and, uh, you know, I, I'd uh, been teaching for a year or so year and a half, and uh, we realised that, you know, if 
the, the business was uh, starting to, you know, uh, was no, never going to survive. It was not going to, uh, it needed to get out of the house, put it that way. Um, and so we acquired a property in West Ride, uh, the family. Uh, my dad acquired a property in West Ride, um, one, one shop front, if you like, and uh, in which is a suburb of Sydney, right us at the station. And, yeah, and that's, and then in 1978, uh we opened our first, I think it was May, we opened our first uh, store, first retail store. And your mum was there working alongside your father and uh, six kids in the family. Uh, these yeah. were busy times. Uh, reflect yeah. for a moment here on uh, how difficult it might have been for your mum while your father was uh, working still in at that work, government yeah. job yeah, and, exactly. and then starting yeah. this store on the side and uh, all of a sudden yeah. things yeah. were very busy at your place. Uh, how was your yeah, mum sure. handling things? Yeah, well, I think um, my mum was probably the busiest when when we were still you know selling tons of books out of the home because mum was there every day. Uh, obviously running the show and people coming and going and, you know, whatever. And so that was when mum was the busiest. Um, and, uh, you know, um, so at that time, I think once we moved into the retail store, then I was I pretty much, you know, was, took, took charge of, you know, was running the show. And uh, and then, you know, obviously mum still helped out, but we also had other friends of mum and then we gratefully employed staff. obviously, as, as we went on uh, to, uh, you know, to, to, to service the store so i think from the re once we got into the retail side it wasn't you know had the full retail shop it wasn't quite as busy for mum as when we were at home she was the main customer facing person uh, she was under a lot of pressure there at one stage and from what i understand uh, back in the days and some listeners uh, will be familiar with this the uh, the old uh, ringer washing machines uh, you you remember the day that your dad brought home an automatic washing machine yeah i guess yep that that, that all happened yep that was good yeah, and anything to anything to uh, mechanise things and get things happening. That's good. <laughs> made your mum's life a little easier. Hey, yeah, I know sure. there's a question that uh, lots of listeners uh, will be thinking of, and uh, they're very familiar with the name, the brand, Kurong Books, yep. and yep. Uh, and uh, you know they'll be saying, well, isn't that some sort of an Aboriginal name? Uh, yep. But give us some insight here into how the name came about, Kurong Books. Yeah, well, that was the street in which uh, my parents lived and where, you know, the business started. And so um, when we went, in, you know, when we and, and, and uh, when they wanted to register a business name and a company name, <laughs> then they, they used the name of the street. There are a few, there are a number of uh, theories about, uh, well, not theories, but um, definitions. Um, I say? Definitions, definitions could be the right word. Translations might be the better yeah, word yeah. of the Aboriginal word Kurong. Um, and so, you know, we, we always thought it had more, it was a watering hole kind of thing, um, a place of water. Um, obviously you've got the Coorong in South Australia, which is the sea, uh, which is with, sorry, which is spelled with a C, not a K, but phonetically it sounds the same. Um, and then there are other, um, views that it's a canoe, uh, kind of a thing. So in one particular Aboriginal language, but obviously had a lot of Aboriginal dialects, you know, languages throughout Australia, and you still do. So, um, but in general, we we felt it was a watering hole, an oasis, a place for people to come to be refreshed. Uh, you know, where yeah, that that was kind of our concept of, of picking that name. And we, were, I think, we we're ahead of our time picking a an Aboriginal you know name and honouring you know the Aborig Aboriginal brothers and sisters. This is twenty twenty with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective.
2020 on Vision. Sometimes we don't appreciate the value of what's happened in those who have gone the extra mile and contributed to our own discipleship and maturity in God. And oftentimes that's because there were Christian books available for us to grow. We're talking about the founder of Kurong Books today with his son. Bruce Boots was the founder. Paul Boots, his son, is our guest as we tell the Kurong story. Hey, Paul, when we talk about the foundation from a garage, uh, the number of books growing into the living room and your dad's study and all of a sudden there needs to be a shop and the first shop opens in Sydney back in the late 1970s. Give us an idea here how things have grown uh, over all of those years since that first store. Yes, well, um, I, I, we, um, you know, obviously the store in Sydney became quite, you know, became quite successful and... Uh, we added uh, additional, we either I think we acquired or leased additional premises right next door, and then knocked holes in the wall over over time. And so uh, that that foundation store, if you like, the head office or if you might call it as well, um, it it uh, you know it grew and floor space increased, and and that was kind of fun. Um, and you know it it and I'll I'll tell later about how we had and then moved to our current location in West Ride, but. Uh, but in the meantime, we figured out, well, you know, that we needed to... One, a guy who was working for us thought that uh, he wanted to move to Melbourne and he's a good friend of mum and dad's. And so we thought, okay, well, maybe we should open a store in Melbourne. So that, that we did. Um, and uh, we started, I think, in Vermont, but then we decided uh, pretty soon that we wanted to move over more to the eastern suburbs. Uh, so we ended up acquiring a property in Blackburn. And so we, we said that that sort of store kicked off and... And then after a while, uh, the same guy who you know, had, had a little bit of uh, wonder, wanderlust or whatever thought, hey, we had enough in Melbourne, so what about if I open a store in Queensland? So uh, then in, I think it was in the 80s, 1984, around then or something, we opened uh, our first prison store in, uh, in Wollongabba. And then sub- sub- subsequently over the next few years, we, the end of the, about really around the 1998, I think it was in 1999, we opened a store in Adelaide and we had Perth as well, which had already been opened. And so by then we'd sort of filled in the main capital cities and had a, we wanted to have a you know an outlet, if you like, a branch in every capital city, which we did. Um, yeah, and then we had some other acquisitions that happened along the way and stores in more regional stores in the country, Toowoomba, uh, which was always a, and is a strong, you know, very strong store. Uh, we opened a second store in Brisbane, in Springwood and uh, Sunshine Coast, Newcastle, two in Tasmania, um, you know, then we had Armadale. Um, so yeah, we you know over the years too, we had a, some smaller ones, which we'd acquired a couple of smaller Christian chains, and yeah. So and uh, at, at our peak, we probably had about maybe like maybe eighteen locations or something like that, nineteen locations in Australia. Okay, and uh, hundreds and hundreds of staff in all of that. Hey, we're taking calls on one 316 You might have your own impression of Kurong Books or a comment about Christian books and the value that they have in your own maturity, your own discipleship. Taking calls, let's take a call from Scott, who is in Gander in Queensland. Hello, Scott. Welcome along. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, Scott. What are your thoughts? Oh, um, well, back in 19... 19- 1997, I'd been, like, struggling, like, fighting basically against God for, like, eight years, and um, finally I gave in to him and decided to be obedient, and I thought, I need a Bible, so 
I just looked it up in the phone book and found one uh, Koorong in um, Leaderville and um, my kind of impression of the Christian faith was that the Bible shop would be all dusty and dark and hardly anyone would ever go there and so I went in there and it was all lit up like McDonald's and which was great you know I thought it was awesome and they had all hundreds of different books available and I had no money either and they um let me like get a bible straight away and just give them the money next like fortnight or whatever it was just awesome wow hey uh, your thoughts paul for for scott that's fantastic i you know i love i love hearing stories like that they you know they're just amazing they're wonderful so scott bless you brother and yeah that's so encouraging so exciting to hear those sort of stories it's fantastic uh, Scott, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, 1-800-316-316. You can also respond to a Facebook question we're asking today, which you'll find at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. The question is, what difference do quality Christian books make to your Christian faith and life. Let me ask you, though, given uh, there was 19 stores at that uh, peak time, Paul, uh, bricks and mortar stores today face some challenges that you didn't face uh, through many of those years. What are your thoughts for uh, for how Christian book retailers go today uh, with a bricks and mortar store and, and the challenges of uh, moving into a digital age? Yes, well, I think, uh, you know, one thing I, that Kurong uh, always did really was we, you know, from the, the day we started, we did, you know, we produced printed catalogs pretty much. And so we all, we were always, a, if you like, a catalog house as well as a retail outlet. And so we'd, we'd send out, you know, hundreds of, sometimes hundreds of thousands of catalogs around the country. Um, and then we'd get all these orders in, first of all in the mail, and then they're over the phone and we fill these orders and we ship them all over Australia. So really, you know, almost from the beginning, we saw what that a country the size of Australia needed a way other than people walking into a retail shop to get, you know, the products, the books, if you like, to, to, the, to the, uh, the customers. And so then, and we very early at Kurong got into, you know, we, we, we were one of the earliest guys to have websites and set up. And, you know, really from the early 2000s, we were powering into websites as well. And we, you know, we always took the view that um, I suppose, especially you know, from the you know, once the internet really took over the you know, took over the universe, that uh, Kurong would be an omni-channel retailer. You know, it didn't matter how people wanted to buy the books, if they wanted to come in and browse around and buy something, or they wanted to order online or phone up or whatever, we were there to service the customer in whatever way they wanted. And so, you know, we, you know, in a sense, Kurong was built almost for that that the internet age in a sense that we all we've always from pretty much the beginning always shipped our books in the mail around the place so uh, and and we built websites right from the get-go early on you know to do that and you know i from what you know i think today i mean uh, i think Kurong's you know probably i'm imagining you know probably almost up to half their business is probably online now but it's still it's still all good, you know. It's just, yeah, you know, it's just the way that it's the way the world is. You know? uh, we're taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth in WA. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yeah, hello, Neil. Jonathan, what are your you thoughts? Know, yeah, you know, Bible talk about. I think one of the books said, uh, "My people are perished for lack of knowledge, or they reject knowledge." So I know it is a great thing. When I came to Australia, I begin to enjoy Kurong because there you go to have your research and do everything, I got books, to enlighten your mind on these spiritual things. So having books in all, in all countries is really 
help the Christian to know their faith and to be able to grow in the things of God. So we appreciate what Kuro have done, especially through the family. Fabulous stuff, Jonathan. Well, Paul, uh, there's a bit of a tribute there to your family and uh, support for someone like Jonathan. What are your thoughts for Jonathan? Yeah, Yeah, no, Jonathan, great. I think it's wonderful what you say, that, you know, we need all these resources for the body of Christ and people, you know, Bibles available for new Christians and old Christians as well and study resources, you know, everything really. uh, We, you know, our view always was to flood the country with, you know, the message of Christ and, you know, the gospel wherever we could. So that was always our view, and, yep, that's good. Awesome. Jonathan, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Uh, Paul, uh, Kurong is no longer in the hands of the Boots family. Uh, changed hands into the hands of the Bible Society uh, back in 2015. So uh, give us an idea of what happened in the transition. Yes, well, um, I guess um, we, you know, we'd been at that time going uh, close to in 2015. Yes, so we'd been going close to 40 years, one way or another. And uh, you know, one day I got a knock on the door from uh, Rick Grohman, who was the chairman of Bible Society and Greg Clark at the CEO at the time. And uh, yeah, we, you know, they expressed an interest in acquiring the company and. Uh, I guess we all prayed about it a lot and we thought about it a lot and uh, we, you know, we felt maybe that was the thing to do. Um, obviously, Bible Society is Australia's oldest charity. Um, been going over 200 years, so we felt that, that that was what the Lord wanted us to do and that was the timing was right. So I guess in the end, we uh, there was a marriage and then uh, they, in the end, ended up owning the business. And so I, ended up, I worked for them for two years I think uh, running the company and then they felt they wanted to, you know, get more involved. And so that was fine. I was happy to sort of semi-retire, which I did. And when you've got an organisation that takes over your family business, uh, obviously mm-hmm. there's going to always be some little things there that, that maybe not, don't go always perfect, but, but there's a certain sense in which, uh, you know, similar values, uh, similar foundations, similar goals, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess sure. the Bible Society has those sorts of things, uh, you know, with their view about how the Bible and uh, books might be presented in Australia, a good family mix there. Yeah, I think so. Yes, I mean, obviously, we wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have, you know, if you like, let them acquire the business if we didn't think our values were similar and compatible. So, for sure. Tess is on the line from Esperance in WA. Hello, Tess. Welcome along. Hi. Well, uh, how are you? Good, Tess. What are your thoughts for Paul? Um. Yeah. Well, thanks. Paul and the Boots family, that's awesome what you guys have provided for all the generations that have lived since you've opened that. And, um, yeah, just to answer the question, how, does it make a difference in your life having quality, being the key word, um, Christian sort of book? Definitely. And I've seen just of recently um, two examples of life's transformed, really, um, little plug-in for Margaret Court's Train the Brain book. Basically just takes all the principles written in the Word of God about um, renewing your mind, taking captive every thought. And I've seen both my best friend and my husband read of depression, having read that and yeah, applied those principles 
wonderful test to be able to call in and uh, just uh, just uh, give your applause here in that sense uh, for Paul. Paul, your thoughts for Tess? Yeah, that's wonderful, Tess. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I love those stories. Um, and yeah, I think as we, you know, think, you know, God's thoughts, biblical thoughts and train our minds to, you know, look at, look, you know, look, you know, train our minds to look how God looks at us and see how God looks at us and his thoughts and his word, then that that's a fantastic uh, message right there. I love it. Tess, thank you. Thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take another call. Sandy is on the line from Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Sandy. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Very well. Sandy, what are your thoughts for Paul? Well, I was listening to this this morning and it just brought back a memory. Um, I'm a South African-born Australian and I go back to South Africa to my family as often as I could. And I went back one year and discovered a Christian bookshop. I don't know what the place was called, but because of the Rand Dollar Exchange, I could afford to buy Bibles. And I saw the Kurong um, label at the back and I just thought, wow, they really sell cheap. My brother-in-law at the time was in hospital for depression and I could actually buy him a Bible that was would speak to him in the place he was at. Was at. And I also, I just bought a few Bibles and um, just kept them with me and had the opportunity to give them. Mum was in an aged care centre, you know, I was talking to one of her workers, carers and and gave her a Bible and, and so the Lord just led me on to, to give these Bibles away. But you know, that opened a door for me um, and, and it renewed my mind when I came home because whenever I go to op shops, there's always Bibles for 50 cents or a dollar. And so I buy these Bibles, um, a Christian Bible because I'm a Christian believer and I buy the Bibles and I cannot believe how God just opens opportunities for me to give Bibles and books away and you know, the purpose, your your life-driven purpose. And, and yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. So thank you very much for your heart for the gospel because it's really made my my heart, you know, just, yeah, it's just... Paul, really your thoughts for Sandy? Yes, thank you, Sandy. That's that's wonderful. Uh, nothing like the Word of God. Uh, give people the Word of God. It's uh, got amazing power, the Word of God, and changes people's lives. And, yeah, the more we spread the Word of God, the better. It's fantastic. Sandy, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you want to join our conversation, let's take another call. Margaret is in Cooparoo in Brisbane. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Neil and Paul. I just wanted to let you know that I find the Karong Bookshop, which is in dry, within driving distance for me. I'm in my late 80s and I can still drive, so I drive to Karong. It's like a little haven uh, to, for me at times when I get a bit frustrated and uh, I really enjoy browsing and buying books that I may not even realise had been written and, and, of course, Bibles as well to give to people. But... Thank you very much because it's a lovely place to go and it's very peaceful and you can uh, sort of come to terms with different things that may be worrying you when you start thinking about uh, various things that need to be sorted out in your mind. Uh, I do enjoy visiting Karong. Wonderful, Margaret. I I love the name. (laughs) I like Aboriginal names. Fabulous. Uh, Paul, your thoughts for Margaret? Yeah, we thank you, Margaret. Uh, we, we always uh, 
tried to make our stores welcoming and, you know, we would regularly pray for the Holy Spirit to be, you know, in all our stores and for people to find peace and and just the presence of the Holy Spirit when they walked in. And, you know, we had some quite amazing things happen over the years with people coming in and even non-Christians and just saying, well, when I came in, I just suddenly felt something different. Or there's something uh, different here. I mean, I had a, one time I was talking to a new age lady and, you know, she, she was doing some work for us and she came in and she said, well, she said, it's just different here. There's a sort of a peace, a vibe or whatever. It's just totally amazing. So that's nice. That's really good. That was something we always prayed for and we wanted people to feel you know, not just only think and not only just receive with the mind, but in their heart and in their spirit, you know, receive and the love and the joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit when they're in, in the premises in the building. Margaret, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to uh, have your say and uh, perhaps even honour Paul and the Boots family as we're talking about the story of Kurong Books. Paul, one of those things that does stand out at Kurong Books, and it's come out in what some of the listeners have been reflecting, that when you're in the Kurong Books store, it's modern and it's bright and there are thousands of books, many more than you could possibly imagine. Uh, people have a different impression because they're not trying to find Christian books down at the end of a long arcade into a little deep, dark, cave-like uh, book room. Uh, very bright and open. Was that part of the sort of, you know, is there a psychology in the way that you present Christian books uh, in the way that you've done in Kurong? Oh, yes, for sure. I mean, uh, over the years... As we grew and opened more stores, we tried to um, make sure that, you know, the ambience, the retailing, the, 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 the brightness, the, the, light, the lighting, the shelving, everything contributed to uh, easy accessibility. And we also wanted to make it very welcoming for non-Christians who would come in and just browse. And, you know, we often had a lot of customers who had even, you know, had problems with the church in the past and maybe didn't even go to church at the moment, but they would still come in and and be getting blessed at least by reading Christian books and Bibles and whatever, listening to Christian music and watching Christian DVDs or whatever. So we always wanted our stores to be welcoming and bright and an environment that was contemporary and classy and, and accepting. Let's take another call. Rini is on the line from Harvey Bay in Queensland. Hello, Rini. Welcome along. Oh, good morning, Neil. Good morning, Bruce. Uh, I just want to um, give honour to the staff at Kurong. They are absolutely marvellous. Never, never is anything too hard for them to try and do for you. And one day a few years ago, I was very in a very distressed state and I heard this song on the radio which brought me to tears and I didn't know where I was going to find out um, the title of this song but I knew that I had to get the CD so at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon I rang Kurong and a lovely lady Esther she found the song for me and I told her a little bit about my distress and she prayed with me the most magnificent prayer I'll never forget it as long as I live and at the end of all my distress, which did come to an end, of course, I had to ring Kurong again and was able to tell Esther the result of her prayers. Ah, wonderful. Thank you. That, that was, um, they just are so wonderful. And I just encouraged Esther to always remember to pray for people. Rini, it sounds like it should have been Kurong Books and Christian Counselling Service. <laughs> Paul, what are your thoughts here for Rini? 
Oh, really, thank you. I, I'm, it's so wonderful to note that, you know, the, the, the Kurong Frontline staff are, really have people's heart and interest, you know, in their, their very being, if you like. They want to help other customers and help, help people come to, you know, grow in their Christian faith. And, yeah, it's a wonderful story. And uh, Esther was a – I remember Esther. She's a, a wonderful employee and great on the phones and just really have the heart for people who called. So thank you very much and God bless you. Rennie, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, Paul, over the years – uh, there must have been hundreds and hundreds of staff uh, that have been working with Kurong in all of those stores. You say at the at the peak there was something like nineteen stores all around Australia. Uh, what are your thoughts for staff and uh, numbers and the way you might recruit staff that might be working in a, a situation there and uh, and dealing with customers uh, just like Rini? What are your thoughts for staff? Well, yeah, we uh, obviously in a, over a period of forty years we employed. You know, tens of thousands of staff really have been through uh, throughout. You know, work for the company and work for the family. Uh, you know, generally at any one time in the certainly in the last number of years, we'd have a minimum of four or five hundred staff around the country, and uh, so we always look for people who would, in general, would be have customer service and spiritual values, so that they could minister to you know the people that they were talking to on the floor and especially in the front line front-facing stores. I mean, many staff who have worked for me over the years are now in senior positions in full-time Christian ministry in all sorts of areas. So, you know, that I was, I'm always very encouraged by that as well. But, you know, certain people who started when they were very young and now they're, they're leading or significant Christian organisations, and that's, that's very exciting. It's always encouraging to see years gone by, many years, and yet they're all still going on with the Lord and serving the Lord. Wonderful, fabulous stuff. Hey, Paul, let's come back to the family and uh, the history here and the formation of those early stores and the growth uh, to those 19 stores all around Australia. As you say, uh, thousands and thousands of staff that have been a part of the Kurong experience. Uh, let's come back to your parents here, though, because it can't have all been easy going with the growth of a, a business slash ministry like that. Uh, but your parents, they always maintained a sort of a humility and a frugality about uh, their own lives. Give us an insight here into how your parents uh, managed things as things began to grow. And, of course, you were at the helm for a lot of those years too. Give us some insight here into your parents and their frugality. Look, I think, um, you know, mum and dad were both humble people and not flashy or, you know, really strongly believed in the simple lifestyle and in the Christian faith and ministering you know the gospel to people and so they were never you know enamored by the you know the big time or the big shots or anything like that that was not who they were and so we you know we we always kept a fairly low profile I guess as a family and that's fine you know it's not about us um, and and we you know we enjoyed I mean, the business had the hand of God on it. There's, there's no doubt about that. You know, it grew strongly and rapidly for year. Mostly, yeah, there's always challenges in business, but I have to say, the hand of God. When the hand of God is on something, it just continues to prosper. And in that sense, you know, the business grew and it fulfilled the need in the community and in the church and in the country. We always saw our uh, each individual building as a lighthouse, a spiritual lighthouse in that city. That's another reason why we wanted. You know, stores in all the states, in all the major capital cities, because we did want a spiritual lighthouse in every state and every part of the country. And so, so yes. 
Now, if we're talking about your dad and uh, his early formation, we mentioned that he was doing a theological degree and uh, that was a Baptist Reformed theology type of degree. You know, there's all sorts of different books you can get from all sorts of different streams of Christianity. How do you reflect on uh, the idea of being theologically conservative in the sorts of books uh, that were sold in the early years and how things have grown uh, in that time, the sorts of books that are provided uh, even now, post your years, uh, what do you think about books and uh, and the sorts of things people find when they go to a Kurong store? Well, I think you know. Uh, obviously, we started with a uh, when we started was a fairly conservative, reformed leaning, evangelical uh, book selection, and I think as, as you know, the company grew and as we all grew, uh, it broadened out to be a more broadly evangelical, charismatic. Protestant, mostly worldview. I mean, when you get to be the major Christian bookshop in the whole country and then you're serving the whole body of Christ, then there comes a time when you've got to serve the body of Christ. And sometimes what you might think today might be different to what you thought a year ago. And uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I knew everything when I was in my 20s, theologically. Uh, but, but as I got older, I realized that maybe, you know, God's bigger than my small theological box. And so, uh, you know, you know, we just try to over the years make try and make things consistent with Scripture and and things that honour the Lord. And you know, I guess as time grew, we as we were serving the whole body of Christ, then you know, our, our, the selection. And it was not just us, of course. You know, Christian publishing exploded around the world, and as you know, we were, I guess, the primary outlet for most of the Christian publishers around the world. Then we tended to carry the majority of what books they published. Paul, what about Aussie authors? I suspect that uh, Aussies writing books, looking for an outlet, uh, the very first name they might have thought of would be Koorong Books. Uh, what sort of, yep. was there a special place for Australian authors, an opportunity to get their writing in front of Australian uh, readers? Yes, I mean, uh, we, we, we in our stores, we would highlight Australian authors in our catalogues with little Australian logos and and so we would try and promote Australian authors. Um, and yes, and so that was always a strength. I mean, the challenge in Australia is that the Christian publishing industry in Australia is very, very small. It's very difficult to make a Christian book that's just for Australians work very well. So, you know, many, many Australian authors are published around the world, uh, but often by, you know, US, UK, whatever publishers. So. We'll talk some more about publishing in just a few moments. Uh, another call, though. Bev is in Victoria Point in Brisbane. Hello, Bev. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Well, I just wanted to make a comment. Listening to this conversation this morning, the word service, um, that's the thing that God blesses, I feel, and is sadly missing in our society today. And, and so I just thank Kurong for standing firm in service, and that's what God blesses. Bev, wonderful thoughts. Uh, Paul, your thoughts for Bev? Yes, Bev, that's great. Always been, was always one of my number one, you know, mantras that we're here to serve the church, we're here to serve people, and, you know, let's make sure we do that. Okay, wonderful to hear from you. Thank you so much for your call, Bev. Uh, you know, when you uh, when you sold on Kurong Books uh, back in 2015 to the Bible Society, uh, there was some other elements to the business that you didn't sell on to the Bible Society, and this was in the area of some publishing 
companies. Uh, give us some insights here, Paul, into some of those that you're still a part of. Uh, one of those, uh, the Authentic Media, and the other one, Broad Street Publishing Group. Uh, give us your insights here into th- this idea that you're not, you haven't let, let go of publishing altogether. No, well, uh, in, you know, we, we uh, in early around 2009, I think we acquired, a, we decided to acquire a publishing company in the UK, which, and two publishing companies in the UK, Authentic Media and Patnoster Press, which certainly Patnoster Press had been going for 70 years and was a, had a strong academic brand, but we acquired them and uh, and then around the 2015 time when we were selling uh, Kurong to the Bible Society, we got involved in a, a new publishing company in the US, uh, Broad Street Publishing Group. And so uh, then, uh, and that's been going extremely well uh, for and it's been going what seven years now, and so that's that's doing very well. Yes, so, so I'm quite busy. Uh, I'm reasonably busy now, especially with the American publishing company doing you know, quite busy working and helping with that business. So you mentioned when we're talking about Australian authors that oftentimes, uh, you know, it's difficult to be viable as an author if you're just relying on a book for an Australian audience. Uh, so for those people who are perhaps writing a book right now and thinking about how mm-hmm. you broaden things to uh, to be attractive to an international audience, is that the sort of thing that you'd encourage people if they're considering ever writing a book? Yes, I think that's definitely the case. Um, you know, there are certain books that are specific to Australia and they, they've got a market there. But, you know, obviously, if one can speak on subjects and stories and whatever it may be that, you know, are cross-cultural and cross-country and would sell in markets around the world, especially the US, uh, North America, the UK, um, then that's obviously in- increases the market significantly. Um, and so... You know, to get published, it's, it probably needs to be more than something, mostly needs to be something more than just something that works in the local Australian market. Not always. There are certain books that will sell well here, but, you know, that's there's not that many. It's, it's, it's they're not a big enough market, I guess. And, of course, there are different sorts of books, aren't there? Someone can write a fiction novel or a novel that might have a Christian flavour to it. But then I think you mentioned that the sorts of publishing, you know, initiatives that you're involved in at the present time, a little bit more on the academic side. How have things oh, no, changed? That's U- no, well, so that's in the UK, I guess. And But we mainly now do more popular books in the UK and in the US. Uh, I mean, for instance, in the UK, a good friend of mine, Dr Ernest Crocker, uh, he's written three books now, uh, which are wonderful stories of God at work in people's lives. Uh, for instance, that's published in the UK, and that's you know it sells very well in Australia. Uh, not you know his latest one, uh, The Man in White, which is fantastic, fantastic stories there about how God works in people's lives. But that's just an example. I mean, we do a, in America, we do a, a lot of uh, probably our biggest areas devotionals. We do you know, Ray Comfort and all you know a number of people. Uh, we do devotionals. 365 day devotionals which really seem to help people and uh, I mean for instance, we've done some recent books uh, a number of books on just helping people with depression with anxiety with some of the struggles that are in the world today and that they seem to be touching people's lives as well so Paul what's in the future now uh, talking about a wonderful 40-year family history uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the sale of Kurong books it's now in the hands of the Bible Society you've got the mm-hmm. publishing arms that are continuing yep. on what what's what does the future hold oh well, I think at the moment uh, we feel like God's you know guiding us in the publishing area and you know to continue to grow that and develop that so that that's probably 
the main areas that, that you know that I'm, I'm focusing on anyway. Yeah. But you know, whatever we we you know it's, we we never set out as well, what what is uh, trying to have a five year plan or a ten year plan. It was like, what does God want us to do? And we always found that doors open and God blesses certain you know puts His hand on certain things that we do, and so that we just kind of follow along with whatever we feel like. God's leading us to do at the time. Well, you have a rich family history, Paul, and uh, wonderful to be able to hear that today. And I think, uh, you know, for listeners, uh, many of those who called in, uh, just honouring the good work that's been done by the mm. Boots family over all of these decades. And so, uh, Paul, uh, congratulations on where you're at Thank today. You. Uh, expecting good things and bright things for the future. And, of course, uh, Kurong Books, uh, these days owned by the Bible Society, but the Kurong website, kurong.com. And uh, for listeners, you can uh, get in touch with uh, Kurong. You can find their uh, digital catalogues online and order books from kurong.com. The other two uh, publishing groups, uh, there are some connecting points there for listeners too, and perhaps there's aspiring authors who might be listening into our conversation today, authenticmedia.co.uk and broadstreetpublishing.com. That's authenticmedia.co.uk and broadstreetpublishing.com to be in touch with Paul. And uh, no doubt if you're uh, sending a message there, you'll be able to connect with Paul personally. Uh, Paul, wonderful getting your insights. Thanks so much for sharing the family history, uh, asking God's richest blessing on the next uh, developments that come in the Boots family. So thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020. Thank you. Thank you very much and God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.